Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following may contain offensive language, adult humor, and or content that some viewers may find offensive. The views and opinions expressed by any one speaker does not explicitly or necessarily reflect or represent those of Mark Rattledge or W2M Network. Please listen with caution, or don't listen at all. TV party tonight! TV party tonight! Oh, we got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews. Don't want to talk about anything else. We don't want to know. Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledge Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is How to Change Your Mind which is a 2022 American docuseries based on the book of the same name by our favorite nonfiction writer, Michael Pollan. I think he's like the only guy that we've ever covered on this network. <laughs> it consists of four episodes, which were released on January, uh, July 12th, 2022 on Netflix, and it gives insights into the psychedelic drugs, LSD, psilocybin, MDMA, otherwise known as ecstasy, and good old-fashioned mescaline, as well as their uses in psychedelic therapy. Their series has been dubbed into multiple languages, including but not limited to Spanish, Hindi, Portuguese, French, Russian, German, Italian, Polish, Czech, and Hungarian. And joining me as she did the last time we covered a Michael Pollan Netflix documentary series is Adriana Wagner, my old boss. How you doing, boss? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Where you been? It's been like years since we covered Cooked. Well, let's see. Work, working a second job kids preteen and a teenager and back in school for my second master's so <laughs> you've been a little busy huh at this point yeah so um just so everyone knows who you are and this is the first time you're on video because literally the last time we did this we were audio only so yeah. look at this look, look at all of this <laughs> i know i love it love <laughs> we're we're all like technological and futuristic and stuff now <laughs> Um, the funniest thing about doing this with women is every time it's just like, oh, shit, I got to put on makeup. Like, yeah, you're actually like on on YouTube now live. I'm glad welcome. I'm <laughs> welcome, welcome to the big time. <laughs> so tell us about your part of the reason why we're doing this is we're both professionals in the mental health field. 
Um, that's where we met. We met uh, working for the company is NAFCARE, who mm-hmm. does um, who provides medical and mental health services for correctional facilities. Um, and you should be my boss there. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is your mental health pro- professional background? So I've been a licensed mental health counselor for 11 years. Um, <clears throat> I got my, I actually got my bachelor's in psychology in, oh Lord, 2002 um, at USF in Tampa. And um, I, I always liked studying the mind and behavior and how people interact in the world. So um, my first job straight out of the gate was at the Adult Baker Act facility at Grace Point in Tampa, which is the biggest community mental health center in Tampa. So anyone that got Baker Acted or put on a 72-hour involuntary hold for potential threat to self, others, um, whether it be expressed or non-expressed, psychosis, things like that. So we got, how do I say it? The craziest of the crazy. (laughs) (laughs) A, A big bag of mixed nuts. A bag of mixed nuts, yes. Um, in their their most acute moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my first job after my bachelor's degree. Before that, I had done like tutoring with second graders. I did like call center for J.C. Penney <laughs> retail. <laughs> so it was really interesting, but um, I ended up loving it. So I just kept going from there. <laughs> And now you're working on being a psychiatric nurse practitioner, yes? Correct. Yes. Okay. Now you're a, at the moment, you're just a regular medical nurse practitioner. So right now I'm actually a registered nurse. Oh, okay. You're not even, you haven't even gotten as far as the NP yet. NP. Okay. Like NP will be the first thing. And then if I decide to continue on, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, I could go back and get my certification in family nurse practitioner, uh, geriatric, something like that. But, um, oh. Really, really the question that my listeners have for you right now as the questions come in is, can you prescribe a Xanax? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Okay. The answer is no. All right. Well, then we're done here. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So it, uh, you and I have kept in touch over the years as we've uh, switched, uh, switched jobs, moved on, did other things. Um, But you recently contacted me and you're like, hey, I want to come on your podcast. And I was like, wait, who is this? Uh, <laughs> remember me? It's Wags. Like, oh yeah, that's right. And you said, "Hey, Michael Pollan has a new documentary series called How to Change Your Mind. It's about the use of psychedelics in mental health treatment." Um, I mean, in the intervening years between Cooked and now, there's been plenty of stuff on mental health and substance abuse and whatever that's out there. What made you focus on this enough to where you contacted me like this? <laughs> talking about I want, I'm curious what your face looked like at the time when I said that <laughs> so I really like Michael Pollan as mm-hmm. a human and as a reporter and an investigator author um so when I saw his name again I was like oh cool and then I saw what he was going to report on I was like oh that's even better um there like you said there's been a lot of um, popularity or rising popularity with ketamine clinics and uh, ayahuasca ceremonial rituals and things like that. Um, substance abuse has always been one of my um, babies as well. Um, as 
some of us know in the mental health world, you can't really deal with that without dealing with substance abuse because there's such a high comorbidity. So <clears throat> the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network mainly known for dealing in pop culture, nerd culture, television and movie reviews. Yeah. But in that, we have discussed shows like we just last night, we did season four of The Wire. We've been going through all of the David Simon stuff, The Corner, The Wire, et cetera. Um, we've talked about a great many shows that have um, most recently another David Simon show that was on HBO. We own this city uh, with John Bernthal. And so there have been a lot of discussions about substance abuse, mental health, harm, the harm reduction model. And I've said many, many times, and I'll use this platform to say so again, big advocate of the harm reduction model and for decriminalization of substance abuse. There's a long storied history of, and I've mentioned this on many different shows, this is not new information, but the drug laws in this country were uh, definitely coming from a place of targeting minorities in many cases. Uh, they came from uh, a place of prejudice. Um, it's been since the Nixon administration that the federal government has known that this is not best practice in terms of dealing with substance abuse. And yet here we are in the year of our Lord, 2022, and we're still, still there. Still doing it. We're still fighting the drug war. Yes. Um, I don't think there's been. I don't think there's been a war in history that has gone on as long as the drug war. <laughs> Probably very true. One of the things this series talks about, we can sort of dovetail into this now, is how, at least in like the, the '60s, they said that there had been this uh, culture of looking at psychedelics as a means to treat mental illness, mm -hmm. uh, depression, trauma, uh, psychosis. And then because the federal government kind of painted with a broad brush that all drugs are bad and then all drug users should be prosecuted, a lot of this research had to be shelved. And it's coming back out now, I think it's what the documentary talks about, and we just talk specifically about episode one, that there, there, there seems to be a rebirth of looking back on psychedelics and doing stuff with this and maybe a change in the federal government uh, laws and culture about well, maybe all drugs aren't bad and maybe we should let the medical and mental health professionals figure out for us which ones are good, which ones are bad, and how we should utilize them instead of warehousing humans. Right. Uh, go ahead. For, for lack of a better term. Yes. All right. So episode one, LSD, the series premiere episode about lysergic acid diethylamide. LSD focuses on topics like the first synthesis of the drug in 1938, Bicycle Day, the Harvard Cyclosalbin Project, Project MK Ultra, acid tests, as well as psychedelic microdosing and psychedelic therapy. It's funny. I was talking to my friend last night. Uh, we were reviewing The Wire, and I and uh, I brought up mushrooms, and he was just like, "Oh, are you microdosing?" That is <laughs> like, and he is the square. You know, uh, he is like the, the most big like, vanilla square guy I know. I love him to death. But even he is like familiar with the term now microdosing. Yeah. Apparently that's like bubbling up in the culture. Well, funny you say that too. My um, 20 year old uh, nail technician actually said something about that the other day. I was talking about it and she's like, oh yeah, like they're microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A lot of, yeah, a lot of that. Microdosing. Um, they were, we'll, we'll get to it when we actually get to the episode about mushrooms, but I went to a uh, pot convention, I think a weekend or two ago, and it was Cannabis Fest in Mount Dora. And there was actually a couple of booths where they were le legit, I guess, legally selling mushrooms, yep. uh, good old magic mushrooms, which when did that become a thing? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. 
um, my concern would be, you know, is it kind of like the Delta eight, not necessarily that it's a concern, but is mm -hmm. it, um, you know, did they take the actual juice from the mushroom and change up the molecular structure to find a loophole in the laws, which, I mean, that's kind of like what, what Delta eight is to cannabis. So. Yeah, I'm surrounded by people using vape pens and Delta 8, and I'm like, how is this legal? Well, it is. It is for now. We'll it see is what for it now. Is. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what did you think of this first episode that dealt with LSD? Yes. Um, I really liked that episode. I think uh, a lot of people don't know how long some of these drugs have been around. Um, and just kind of going through the scientific piece of it and how it was and let me just review my note really quick because it's been a few weeks mm -hmm. um but how it was discovered um it was the wasn't it a swedish scientist or a german scientist who um discovered it on accident mm -hmm. and he tried some of it and and he ended up going into this like really crazy trip mm-hmm um, and so he started sharing it with other people and then the government got hold of it and they're like, Ooh, how can we use this? And the first thought was, um, a biological weapon, but then they turned it around saying, okay, well maybe we can use it for our own people to help them. Mm -hmm. I think at one point they were also experimenting with it as a truth serum. Yes, that's right. Yep. Yes. Um, there was talk about using LSD to treat certain mental illnesses. Uh, I want to say it was definitely targeted for like post-traumatic stress disorder as one of them. Yes. Yep. Post-traumatic stress. Um, they talked about um, anxiety and pain. Mm -hmm. for, for some reason, they figured out that taking psychedelics can reduce anxiety and it can reduce pain levels. Um, and, uh, they started doing, uh, experiments with it in Switzerland. Good old Switzerland. Mm. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. And then Michael Pollan, of course, and, and he's, he seems like a very down to earth guy. I mean, he doesn't really strike me as a hippie, but he's just kind of looking for natural things in this world right, right now. Like a lot mm -hmm. of us are, I think. Sure. So, after he took it, he could only describe it as the re-experiencing of love. And love is everything. So it's that simple. I mean, he broke it down that simply. One of my criticisms about this documentary series, and it's not a, not a huge criticism, but it, it just, it's just a thought that occurred to me as I was watching it, yeah. was how much of this he's like in the bush. You know, he's like on different... Yeah. He's on different Native American reservations, and he's like having vision quests and stuff. And I'm and, and I'm always because I uh, I'm a dirty, filthy uh, corporatist apologist. Um, <laughs> I'm always thinking about like how do you pitch this to people in charge? How do you <laughs> how do you pitch this to people who you know in government or in you know multi million dollar corporations? You know like you know big pharma, right? Because the only way to get anything done in this world is with money and government. True. And so you have to, as a professional, be able to take your wild and crazy idea. You have to comb your hair and brush your teeth. You have to put on a nice suit and you have to go to, you know, you have to go make your pitch. 
Correct. And so, so much of this documentary is him like out in the bush, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. th- you know, throwing make mescaline up in his face, and he's right. like, "Oh my god!" You know, like as you said, like I'm experiencing love. You cannot, you cannot walk into Congress and go before <laughs> the Speaker of the House and be like, "I would like." I would like a couple of million dollars and the legalization of this drug because I would like us all to experience love. They will throw you out. <laughs> they will absolutely kick That's you in your ass out of the building. Good question, actually. And I would love to ask him that. Maybe we can find a way to, to tap into his people and see if they would answer it. I'm sure it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, I think the stronger, because I, I, if you're just a casual viewer, like if you're like any one of my friends who are into like microdosing or um, substance abuse and ter- to treatment, substance use rather, to treat mental illness, I'm sure they would get a lot out of this show. A few people that I've told about it are like, oh my God, they, they, this exists. This is something I'd like to watch. Great. Yeah. My But my next thing is, okay, so it's out there in the world. What are we doing with this? And that's why I said, you know, the stronger stuff in how to change your mind especially episode one is going through the documented history of professional research that went into using psychedelics that got scuttled what in the 80s during like during the Reagan administration i think they said i think yes. strong in the 60s and 70s and then there were some um controversial things that happened and then by the 80s it was all drugs are bad yes yeah it I, um in the 70s i think a lot mm-hmm. of the Young people were were um, you know dosing acid and taking lots of drugs, and then it turned into um, what government called a revolution, and and nobody wanted to. They were dodging the draft, and none of mm-hmm. the young men wanted to go to war, and they were all having sex out in the open and Woodstock and dirt <laughs> and mud and right. Right. Um, we, it became. It almost became like if you think about. If you're putting this stuff on your whiteboard, like, you know, the commies, the, you know, the people fighting the draft, the sexual revolution people, they're all the same. And, you know, and they're all doing acid. And so we want, we don't want this anymore. We want these people to put on a suit or a uniform and go make money or go kill commies. Right. And we don't want no fuss, no must, no rebellion. Right. Um, and I, so I think that was more of like the mentality at the time of, well, if we get rid of the drugs, uh, these people will be normal again and we'll yeah. get them and they'll do what we want them to do. I'll conform exactly right where I think now there's I think at least a sympathetic ear in government and business about hey we we know there's a rising mental health crisis I mean you know the silver lining about the you know rise in school shootings and whatnot is the tacit recognition that maybe something's wrong in the culture um, and nobody knows what to do about it and the you know the the knee jerk reaction is well we'll just take the guns away well no you the fuck you won't because um, there's an equally or greater force saying no um, and so okay well if we can't take the guns away what can we do to actually help people um, achieve mental stability right and that's where a show like this becomes handy if if it generates the right pitch to make this stuff available controllable by medical and mental health professionals yeah. and distribute it to the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think that was my big takeaway, especially from episode one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think you're right. I think the government is now kind of looking to mental health professionals and medical professionals, like you said. Um, <laughs> we need you to fix these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so after years and years of nobody listening to Pete, right? <laughs> here we are going, do you have any solutions? And we're all good, like, yeah. <laughs> 
for fucking years now. <laughs> like now you're gonna listen? Sure. Right. All right. Exactly. Let me straighten yeah. up a little bit first. I didn't expect company. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put together here. Talk and save save the planet. Hold on. Yeah, let me. We just have to hide the craziest amongst us because some yeah. so, some of our fellow mental health professionals don't <laughs> represent us very well. Go back to go back to night shift. No one needs to talk to you. I um, think... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they're giving us a little bit more leeway to kind. Yeah. Of, and I think a big part of it is veterans too. Mm -hmm. um, no, our veterans, there's no great answer to help them with their PTSD. And they fought for our country. So here we are forcing them to go fight in, mm -hmm. in the 70s. And now they're falling apart and they're older and nobody knows what to do with them. So, right. Like, and I think statistically, if you like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of anecdotal or uh, um, hyperbolic argument in terms of psychodynamics, uh, sociopolitical stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of statistics. And I think if you look at statistically, you know, what portion of criminals come from our veterans population, mm -hmm. what portion of veterans who commit crimes have comorbidities of mental illness, I think you'd find that it's pretty high. I think you'd find parallels in all, in all of that, which then begs the question, why are we letting our veterans who fought for our freedoms come back uh, mentally ill and then commit crime. How, how does this happen? What are we, what are we going to do about it? Which right. makes for a great like campaign thing. If you're, you know, if you're out there and you're running for office, you're like, I want to help the veterans not attack the people. Right. And then dial, you know, coming back to, okay, mental health professionals, what do you got for us? And then it's like, <laughs> I don't know, 50 years of research. You wouldn't let us do anything with. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So they're uh, kind of speaking, open that door. Like, Hey, Okay, don't screw it up. No pressure. Yeah, no, right. Um, we're gonna Thanks. ask. We're gonna That's... ask some of you to not be lunatics. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <us>. <laughs> right. As a nation. Episode two, psilocybin. Uh, topics touched on this episode on psilocybin are um, mushrooms, including this psilocybin therapy. Uh, Kieran Daros, the seeking seeking the uh, magic mushroom article. Spring Grove experiment, scholarly approaches to mysticism, this is where you lose me, as well as the legal status of psilocybin mushrooms and ego death. Um, interviewees include Maria Sabina, R. Gordon Lawson, Albert Hoffman, Timothy Leary, William Richards, Paul Stamets, and Roland Griffiths. All right, so dig into your notes there and tell me about this episode. Okay. So, um... It was called the flesh of the gods. So what were <laughs> by the Mexican Mazatecs. So here in this episode, again, we're going back to other cultures. We're going, like you said, back to the bush, going to um, spiritual beliefs and, and um, different kinds of herbal medicine. Um, so I, what I thought was really interesting with this, and there, I mean, there's a trend or like a pattern with all of the episodes with this, is it kind of opens a door in your mind to where you can deal with things that you may have repressed before. Trauma. So the big key word here is trauma. 
Mm -hmm. We all had some kind of trauma in some form or another in our lives and it affects everyone differently. Um, but I, they're getting at something, something's happening because they have a lot of like they had, I think this was the one where they had this, uh, 70 something year old woman who mm -hmm. decided to try it for the first time. Um, and she just wanted to live her best life for the rest of her life. And, um, it really opened her mind up. It got her out of a depression, mm -hmm. um, in her words. And she started seeing everything as beautiful again. And so the, especially with this episode, I think of mindfulness. So we are so busy in our society. Now you don't take time to look around and see what's right in front of you. And if you do, you don't appreciate it. You're just looking at what's in front of you so you don't hit it or so you can get it out of your way. Right. So um, people aren't looking around. Like like they say, people aren't stopping to smell the flowers anymore. So um, these plants have led some of these people to get back to that mindfulness way of living. One of the guys that I do podcasts with, one of my very good friends, um, has talked openly on our podcast about his struggles with clinical chronic depression and yeah. you know that that feeling of having an enormous weight on you to where you cannot get out of bed and face the world mm -hmm. and having people around him going oh just be happy right like, you know and him going gosh I wish I could right but that's yeah. that that is the effect of that is the effect of chronic uh clinical depression is that despite your situation, it's not situational depression. You know, I'm, I'm depressed because I fight with my wife a lot. I'm depressed because we have no money. This is, even if things were perfect and you had everything you could have ever wanted in your world, you still cannot get, cannot get up and face the day. Mm -hmm. This is a problem with your brain. Yes. And one of the things they talked about with magic mushrooms is how, as this person experienced, you can kind of repair the damage to your brain that's causing you to not be able to get up and face the world and then do so. And so right there, I think there's an argument for with extreme amounts of medical control using mushrooms to treat depression, like clinical, biological, broken brain depression. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So your neurotransmitters, when you have clinical depression or a clinical mental health disorder, that's your, your body chemistry. So I, I try to equate it to diabetes. If you had diabetes or if you had cancer, that's your chemical makeup in your body. Something's off, something's broken. Mm -hmm. So they give you medication or something that will help fix that, um, that chemical imbalance. So with things like depression, anxiety, even bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, those are chemical imbalances in your brain, which is a part of your body. It's a medical disorder. Um, and, the, and looking at these types of things is more of a natural, holistic way, like, like a lot of cancer treatments. They've done mm -hmm. all kinds of things with cancer treatments, look to different countries and continents um, for things that are going to help. So I don't, how is this any different? What's interesting is that, um, sorry, I don't know what this is. Um, occasionally I get alerts from my wife's calendar and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's, that's what that is. Okay. 
like, I don't like, what? Pick the kids up from the Y, dude. Yeah, it's, it's gosh, <laughs> the worst life for that easy these days. Um, so anyway, uh, one of the things that um, we talk about as mental health professionals is the profound damage to the brain that trauma does. Mm -hmm. um, to where, you know, it's not just it's not just, oh, something bad happened and, you know, it makes me anxious. Like, there's there's literal brain damage that occurs. There's, like, hardening of brain tissue. Um, so you talk about neurotransmitters, you know, the things that the brain is supposed to be doing, it's, it's, the messages are not getting out there to the rest of the body. Right. And this, you know, and the resultant behavior is uh, lack of uh, interaction, you know, right. lack of motivation, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, what they're finding is with a lot of these psychedelics is that it actually helps the brain do the repair work because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talked about cancer. Um, a lot of where medicine is going, especially adoptive practices from uh, Europe and Asia is getting the body, the tools to heal itself. Mm -hmm. The body's natural inclination to heal itself. Once it has the right fuel or, you know, the right tools, um, and, you know, it'll do the repair damage itself, as opposed to the way I think we've been doing it in a hundred years of Western medicine, which is we just bombard the body with different yep. things. And now, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, your air conditioner broke, so you your air conditioner breaks, so your house isn't cool, so you break your windows to to, to let the air in. <laughs> like, right. you know, like, well, now you have broken windows is the problem, right? Now you have to put a bandaid on that problem, right? And, and then, it just goes on and on and on. And that's yeah. kind of the way we've, that's kind of the way we as Americans have looked at medicine. You know, it's, the, you, you've seen the commercials. Try our new diabetes drug, which will also <laughs> give you projectile leprosy. <laughs> or death. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, We're putting... so you brought up like, I'm sorry, I, you brought up like holistic medicine and yeah. sort of, um, this was another thing that the United States was reticent to try because no one could explain it. You know, like um, uh, the thing with the needles that the Chinese do. Uh, do you remember? You, have, you know what I'm talking about? Where Acu they put the yeah, yeah, acupuncture. <laughs> where Western medicine couldn't explain why it was working, right. so it was a little slow to adopt it. But yeah. you know, now it's fairly common. Yeah, Chinese med. Yeah, it's weird. I don't. We don't understand it. So you know, mm -hmm. it's backed by us or the FDA or yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there's a long story history of. <clears throat> Uh, civilizations closer to the earth, um, native populations and whatnot, utilizing various uh, plants and whatnot for medicines, uh, things that make you feel better, things that have you know healing properties, mm -hmm. and but also because it's used recreationally, you know it's it's flown in the face of typical U.S. government practice and therefore deemed not good. And now we're and now we're kind of coming back around to it, going, well, let's reexamine some of this stuff. Let's maybe take the racism out of it and just reexamine this stuff as uh, whether or not it's appropriate for modern civilization. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, I think it's going to be we're going to have to tread very carefully and um, very lightly and make sure that we don't screw up <laughs> in a big <laughs> way. So, you know, so they people in our country can kind of keep an open mind to it. I think, promising. You know, I think it's promising different plants and it doesn't have to be, these just happen to be some of the plants that also alter your mood or alter your mind. I mean, mm -hmm. prohibition with alcohol. Now alcohol is, I mean, they serve it in church. 
it's a regular part of our culture now. So um, mm -hmm. I will have to go through that kind of situation. And I don't disagree. I mean, I, I don't disagree that it needs to be very, very regulated because we do have a lot of addiction out there and a lot of people are um, taking drugs and they're dying. So we, we need talked. We talked last night on the Wire season four about how a lot of systems are set up for the benefit of the continuation of that system. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what works for with people. It has nothing to do with solving problems or making things better. It's just the system is looking out for itself. And specifically, we were talking about the education system because that's season four of The Wire. But, you know, the thing that Jesse and I were talking about, and I'm relating this to what we're talking about now, is you have, you know, immediately anyone listening to this is going to ask the question because I know I am isn't one of the big problems with adopting um, natural medicinal substances uh, in, in modern culture that big pharmaceutical is going to get their panties in a bunch and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> if, if people are able to solve their own problems by going to the local flower shop, you know, the local botanist and be like, hey, hook me up. They're not going to then buy our drugs because who'd want, who'd want the projectile leprosy that comes with your diabetes drugs. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of lobbying efforts to go ahead and stop that and say, hey, 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 let's at the very least slow this down and make, you know, and put up some obstacles to making this readily available to people. Also, and I'm just going to throw this out there. I remember reading a book not that long ago about um, the uh, about supplements and how there's actually no regulation over the supplements industry. So literally you can buy, you can go to GNC and buy a bottle of some supplement or other that's supposed to, you know, maybe like help you, build muscle mm -hmm. and there's no the, there's no fda regulation over it so it could be what it says or it could just be sugar right exactly um but we're gonna fight this we're gonna fight the use of flowers <laughs> <laughs> tooth and nail and make sure it's regulated That's because right. god forbid anyone get hurt with this stuff while they buy poison at the local gnc right yeah and and i, I wish i knew i wish i could be a fly on the wall in <laughs> these big pharma meetings when they're talking about, you know, allowing the microdosing of ketamine in clinics mm -hmm. in our country. But uh, <laughs> you want to do what you want to do what with cat tranquilizers? <laughs> Don't worry. Look, here's money. Just let us do it. <laughs> All right. We'll pay you. <sighs> someone get war someone go someone sneak into Warren Buffett's house and just hit him with some like, you know, ketamine. Then then he give then 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 you'll have the money and then no one cares anymore. Right. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Suddenly your crazy idea is a lot more uh, valid once you have a lot of money you can throw at, you know, right. government officials. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, Elon Musk, I'm just going to build my own space rockets. And, and <laughs> OK, well, you're a billionaire. So guess what? You can do that. <laughs> you can absolutely do that. Red tape. Not for us. Not for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Uh, episode three. Yes. So after this podcast, uh, Wags and I, we're going to put on our Jenkos. And hockey jerseys we're gonna grab a <laughs> bottle of water we're gonna do some ecstasy and we're gonna roll and go clubbing right six, so, also pacifiers yes well <laughs> i might skip, i might just wear it i don't know if i want to stop my thing um mdma ecstasy the drug of focus for this episode with a particular emphasis of being placed on themes such as mdma mdma assisted psychotherapy including psychedelic treatments for trauma related disorders um, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, as well as RAVES, as we were just discussing, <laughs> and the Second Summer of Love. 
Some of the prominent figures being interviewed in this episode are Anne and Alexander Shulgin, Ben Sessa, and Rick Doblin. All right. So tell me about your notes, your copious notes for the oh. NDMA episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, just going through a little bit of history here. What what they have found is um, some really good results with uh, sexual trauma for MDMA, with, again, PTSD and veterans, war trauma, <clears throat> things like that. So, and then they have um, this quote I kind of liked. It says, uh, allows you to see who you are without self-rejection. So again, when you talked about the truth serum, how they were looking at maybe using LSD for like a truth serum, it kind of breaks down all of our defenses as as Michael Pollan was discussing um, and the various people who were taking it for medicinal purposes were discussing um, it, it breaks down our societal defenses. So mm-hmm. you really get to the root of what's going on with you. So it's it's like a type of medicinal therapy session or, you know, going back. Everybody, everybody I know who likes to party with uh, ecstasy talks about how whatever social anxiety they have goes away. That's the yeah. whole, that's the whole purpose in recreational use yeah. as a party drug. It's, you know, I colloquially or anecdotally, everyone that tells, I've never used it. Everyone that's told me that they've used it is just like, Oh, you just want to touch everybody. Yes, exactly. You know? They say, um, so no male aggression, no patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so it breaks down societal, cultural barriers, basically, mm-hmm. and our own defenses. I think a discussion over how that could end badly, though, is probably in order. <laughs> <laughs> a room full of people all on ecstasy. Someone's waking up thinking they made a bad decision. I'm just yeah. saying. We're fine. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this comes down to professionals, mentally stable, mental health professionals and medical professionals overseeing these things for for therapeutic benefit. Do I recommend that anybody just go out and dose themselves on ecstasy? Um, No, I don't. And and you really have to be with with people you trust or Mm -hmm. or someone that's not doing it. So they have that they can allow you to kind of dive into that vulnerable world without you know doing something stupid we've talked a lot about um and i have especially sort of beat the dead horse about you know the government sort of nefarious reasons for making substances um illegal but i do think there's a conversation to be had about protecting people from their own stupid decisions Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's why we don't allow gambling in certain areas. It's why there are, you know, and, and not that I want to get into this tangent, but there are people who think, you know, abortion is bad for society. It's, you know, it's bad for people. Um, people have studied the the after psychological effects of abortion, just going, you know what, we probably should make this illegal and take it out of people's hands because this hurts people. Not making that argument. I'm saying that is the argument. Right. Um, and so when it comes to something like MDMA, um, and any one of these, I'm always going to be on the side of this should be something used for, um, you know, medical, mental health purposes and tightly controlled. Right. Because I think once you once you allow it in the wild west of recreational use, <laughs> this this is where it gets abused. Right. This is where people don't know what they're doing. Bad things happen. Right. And then that's where the government does have to step in and say, you people don't know what's good for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or how to, or how to behave or how to, how to utilize things. If Maybe we need to be on top of this. <clears throat> if you're going to go Lord of the Flies, we're going to have to kind of take those reins back. That you right. Each other's flesh. Um, yeah. And, and I just thought of something too. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. Okay. So, oh, the Woodstock. Did you see the, um, there was a show about the latest Woodstock and how it ended in a complete shit show when they yeah, tried. They set everything on fire because it was like $500 for a bottle of water. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and and I'm not saying like, you know, to to get away from the reasons behind it and how what started it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's easy for people to look back at the old Woodstock and then look at this Woodstock and say, Oh my God! What has our society become? There, these young people are all a bunch of drug addicted animals, right? That is certainly one take that utterly it, ignores. Yes. Look, as the as the corporate apologist, I will be the first one to say, no, no, that was all on the corporations that put yes. up Woodstock for completely Which, greedy purposes, right? Which and people just sort of at the end of it saying, "Fuck this place," you know, <laughs> <laughs> and setting it on. Like I'm not saying rioting is the answer to everything, right? However, after two and three days of essentially corporate abuse. You know, and I, and I, it's an exaggeration. It wasn't five hundred dollars for a bottle of water, but it was like those people got nickel and dime. That whole Woodstock situation was way. By the end of it, I could see why people had just lost their shit. And yep. was that the appropriate reaction? No, but this is what happens when you push people. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, but thinking of that and kind of comparing them, or the way mm -hmm. the authors or the way the directors compared the two Woodstocks, it's. Mm -hmm makes me think of how do the suits uh, see us as young people or see us doing something a little bit outside the norm. And I just put that picture in my head of these guys like breaking down the walls and setting everything on well, fire. Well, it's so funny because now I just have this conversation in my head. Like if we do Woodstock 3, what have we learned from Woodstock 2? We can get away with charging $500 for water if they're all on drugs. Right. <laughs> put yeah. ecstasy in the water sure <laughs> we'll have one or two sexual assaults it's fine yeah. it won't set anything on fire sure um yeah. so i uh, i just want to go ahead and say yet again i don't think recre i don't think unrestricted recreational use of any of this stuff is good is a good idea but use as a as a medicine and tightly controlled absolutely but it does you know and you and i deal with this all the time so Xanax is out there. I made a joke about it in the start of the podcast, but I make a joke about it because it's a very real thing. So Xanax can be a great drug. 
I have friends that are prescribed it for their various mental health issues. And I think one recently said, I was like, how are you doing with your mental health treatment? He was like, great. Xanax is awesome. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> However, it's for also. Purpose <laughs> in, at the right time and, mm -hmm. and to be used in conjunction with other types of therapies. Yes. 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 It, it basically just shuts down your fight or flight. So it's another, mm -hmm. and actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's really the pharmaceutical equivalent to some of these psychedelics is it takes away your anxieties. It takes away your defense mechanisms. So you can just be. Yeah. That's what I was kind of comparing it to uh, MDMA in that sense, because in both cases, there's a euphoria as a side effect. Right. Um, and that euphoria lends itself to being able to be more interactive, be more mm -hmm. social, et cetera. Right. Um, I think my my reticence with a lot with a lot of this, and I kind of keep coming back to it, almost like the chorus in a song, is I'm all for. So I don't. I would never want Xanax to be, you know, forbidden as a prescription drug. I think it's helpful for people out there. But it's. Right. It, but you and I have both witnessed it clearly get abused. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, well, you know, I, go ahead. We found it in. Um, working in the jail and we found that one of the female inmates had uh keistered it in her her jail purse <laughs> hey hey people might not know what you're talking about what's a jail purse <laughs> registered nurse she she um tried to conceal it in her vagina vagina i was gonna say vaginal cavity but um her vaginal <laughs> opening uh otherwise known as the jail purse um yeah so so that can be a problem <laughs> like, I, I go to jail without my xanax i have to have my xanax yes what well i think i should go the rattledge and broadcasting network says please do not shove things up your bag of holding um <laughs> as you and as you enter the correctional facility we're, we're gonna fish it out of there by hook or by crook that's right they will find it <laughs> they will find it um, so yes, don't, uh, your vaginal cavity, your mat, your, your bag of holding, your, yeah. your, what did you call it? Something purse? Jail purse. Your jail purse. Yeah. No, none of that. And the male version is your prison wallet. <laughs> Which is where? <laughs> it's in your butt. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, now that the juvenile portion of this review is over. Um, <laughs> okay. So back to, uh recreational psychedelic drugs for mental health purposes right. so the only thing just to wrap up this thing on xanax and we'll move on to episode four yeah. here um i would never want it to be prohibited because i don't think prohibition no. by and large is the answer we're looking for for, for a lot of these things yeah. it, you know it, i have this argument with people about like the basic income guarantee and it's kind of the same thing sure all of these things lend themselves to abuse mm -hmm. all of it um, you know, whether it's something like a basic income guarantee or, um, you know, or medicine or, a, or you know, the availability of medicine, any number of things can be abused by people. So you put it out there, someone's going to find a way to manipulate it for their own gain. Right. I, but I think the, so then let's not make anything legal you know, approach to things is not really, yeah. you know, better controls maybe, or just sort of have to live with it, you know? Right. I, I think the, the reticence to just sort of live with the abuse, stop it where you can, but sort of, sort of accept, you know, it's like they, it's like in retail, there's an acceptable level of theft that, they, that they're willing to tolerate in order to have the business, you know, operate. That's just mm -hmm. kind of factored into equations. Right. 
this belief or purported belief um, that a lot of politicians sort of run on as they you know put up their rhetoric out there. We're going to stop all of it. No, you're not. Could mm-hmm. we be just slightly realistic? It's just going to go underground. And right. it's going to come from other countries and, and it's not going to be regulated appropriately and people are going to die. Right. Um, so, I w- so just as, so, sorry, go ahead. Okay. So for the MDMA, what I'm hearing more lately is Mm -hmm. that scares me and that I'm actually seeing um, when people come into the jail and we drug test them, they not only test positive for MDMA, which we already know that there's a a type of methamphetamine or amphetamine in the MDMA, that's, that's already a given, but they're also testing positive for fentanyl they're testing positive for cocaine and some other things. So, and you know, almost like another PSA, we don't know what's in, if it's not regulated by the medical community. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. government has to oversee that and yada, yada, but um, you don't know what they're putting in your pills. So right. like that, be very, very cautious if you're going to do something like this yourself, because fentanyl is killing so many people now it's it's not even funny at all like they're putting narcan over the counter now so less people will die that was what i was about to uh was about to say i think making lsd mdma and um what's the other one uh psilocybin available for medical professionals on a prescription basis is good and we're just going to have to tolerate that some people are going to abuse it Right. It, it just, it is what it is. Right. Instead of the opposite, which is the way we operate, is we have to make it all illegal. Okay, right. but you're keeping really valuable drugs from people that need them. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. at, a t- at a time where people are uh, on the basis of their trauma and other serious mental illnesses, uh, killing their neighbors. Correct. Which, which acceptable law, which, which laws are you willing to live with? Right. Would be my argument. Um you know, in terms of, you know, <laughs> crack, making, using eggs to make omelets, that sort of a thing. All right. <laughs> Les, Leslie, we have mescaline. The final episode about mescaline gives insights into peyote, which always makes me think of the Homer Simpson, you know, Homer trip out episode from uh, the Simpsons where he goes on the vision quest. Uh, and the peyote ceremony is administered by the indigenous Americans, such as adherents of the Native American church, as well as into the decriminalized nature movement. It mentions uh, Echinopsis panicanoi and the, uh, I'm mispronouncing all of us, I'm sure, <laughs> Illusion and Mysteries. Some of the interviewees are Alfred Leo Smith, Aldous Huxley, Humphrey Osmond, and Timothy Leary. And the big thing I remember from this episode, besides the Simpsons reference, was the treatment of uh, alcoholism. Yes. There oh. is a, there's a huge... Uh, alcohol abuse ish problem within uh, Native American society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them spoke to the use of peyote in getting through the uh, the trauma that they've suffered as uh, alcohol abusers and getting themselves clean. And it seems like, you know, the counter to that might be, it seems like he's just substituted one drug for another. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but one drug might kill you and the other one in controlled uses might save you and make you a productive member of society. Which one are you willing to live with? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and even, let's see, is this the one where 
they were they talked about Bill Wilson, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, it wasn't. This was the LSD. So that is how Bill Wilson got sober was by taking LSD. And, mm-hmm. and that's how he overcame his alcoholism. So not that this episode's about LSD, but since you're bringing up the alcoholism, mm-hmm. I mean, is the main voice for Alcoholics Anonymous and AA movement. Mm-hmm. He got sober with the use of um, psychedelics. Yeah, exactly. Psychedelic drug. <laughs> so peyote. Yeah. And, and um, they also talked about um, methamphetamine. I guess one of them had been very addicted to meth and he lost his family. His wife left him and he lost his kids or something like that. And, and um, he started using the mescaline uh, to get better. And now he's um, sharing that with, with other people and he's doing the ceremonies as well. There's a program where to get off of opiates like heroin um, or pain pills, Vicodin, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, you do a, you know, methadone. Correct. So again, you're substituting one type of um, one type of drug for another. Right. And I and I would love to see something like this out there, where you have clinics, psychedelic clinics out there mm-hmm. that will treat your substance abuse mm-hmm. with a less volatile less deadly substance in controlled form so you know if we're if we're having a place where people will care for you and they're you know giving you peyote um and that's what gets you through all of this as well as you know the detox and then by the end of it you can function mm-hmm. maybe with a you know prescription dose of, of mes- tightly controlled prescription dose of mescaline wouldn't we be all better off right Right. And, and when you speak about methadone too, even the side effects of methadone are horrendous Mm -hmm. and methadone is almost as difficult to, um, kick or come off of as the heroin or the opiate pills. So, and as far as the mescaline and the peyote and the other things like that, there are no known side effects discussed with those medications or those plants, medicinal mm-hmm. plants. I don't want to say medication, but I like the um, decriminalized nature movement. So you know, it's a little yeah. too hippie for my taste, but I like yeah. the idea behind it. It's um, cool, right? I liked it too. Yeah, that was very cool. Well, I again, I think if you're knowledgeable, if you find people that are knowledgeable and you use the stuff appropriately, um, and nine out of ten times it doesn't end in someone being harmed, right? I, it's just kind of getting out of the getting out of the body's way of healing itself mm-hmm. and then getting out of people's people's way of healing themselves and taking it a, a, taking back a little more control from corporations and government and you know not to be not to be that guy and not to be super political about this but i often get into conversations because all of this ultimately is political um yeah I get into conversations with people all the time about, you know, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and progressives, and, you know, the, the argument of, you know, the argument from conservatives of, you know, we want less government. You want less government in a particular way. Right. But anytime it comes down to something like we're talking about, which is maybe getting the government out of people's way so that they can heal themselves and have mm-hmm. a little less control mm-hmm. um, to kind of do these things and, you know, and to to uh, maneuver through the different branches uh, that are out there to find 
uh, ways of self-healing. And suddenly you're not so much into, you know, into <laughs> power to the people. <laughs> suddenly right. you're suddenly Wait. you're not into giving giving <laughs> control back to, you know, the people. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, we want to regulate this, you damn hippies. <laughs> what are you crazy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's it's not this this is why I don't necessarily cling to one political side of the aisle to the other because you know, when you're when it's the progressives, it's you know, we we want no we want no controls. We want no regulation until, of course, the vandals come and sack your house. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the police are very valuable. Right. And then the conservatives like we want, you know, we, we want less government, except that we don't want you to buy your own drugs, heal yourself, have any, you know, control over your own lives. Mm-hmm. Or bodies. Or bodies. Yeah. yeah. It's like, eh, I feel like there's solutions in the middle here, people. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <clears throat> do we want to talk about the decriminalized nature movement a little bit? Do you think anyone yeah. would be interested in that? I thought that was actually very cool. Um, and I don't have a lot about it, but I believe they were, um, it started in Colorado or, I mean, it started somewhere out West where they tend to be a little more open-minded to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was legal initiative 81. So, the statement was there it's providing options for people to truly heal themselves using plants. So plants like peyote plants, like, um, ayahuasca plants, like, um, cannabis plants, like your, your psilocybin. Um, so it's allowing you to use these plants that we find in nature and consume those plants and make it legal Mm -hmm. to, possess and consume those plants. Now, of course, with government regulation, which you and I both are on the same page about that, I think you do need some government regulation because there's always going to be someone out there that's going to take advantage and put other poison or whatever and try to um, sell them for their own gain and they don't care how many people die. So you still need that regulation. Um, But I thought that was uh, a very cool movement as far as we really just need to get back to more natural lives. And we've come so far away from that in the last hundred, let's see, hundred, 150 years. Um, it's ridiculous. So if we keep going the way we're going with all of these synthetics, with plastics, with, um, you know, we're killing the planet and we're killing ourselves. So, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's it's really um, tough argument. And there are things in our um, future that are amazing. Like, I, I would buy a, a car that flies. I would be thrilled <laughs> that. I love getting on airplanes. Like, um, there was something the other day that um, I'm reading this book by, uh, have you seen the Zac Efron um, what does he call it? Back to back to our planet, or something about the, about Zac Efron, and he's got this um, guy Darren Olean. So maybe we'll talk about that another time. But Darren Olean is um, a naturalist, a nutritionist, and he wrote a book about getting back to the five basic uh, ways to be healthy in our society today, basically. Um, and they were talking about somebody on a plane. And they lost their Wi-Fi signal. It was a businessman. He was checking emails. They lost. They got Wi-Fi signal, and then they lost it. And he started bitching like, "This is fucking bullshit." Blah blah blah. <laughs> and 
dude, you're sitting in a chair hundreds of miles up in the sky on this vessel that's getting you across the country in two hours and you're bitching about your emails? <laughs> what? So, that, uh, that, I think that came up. Um, I can't remember which uh, thing I was doing with Alexis. We were reviewing some show. Oh, it was She-Hulk. And we were both, and she was commenting on the, boy, you don't want to be the girl who, you know, loses her signal on her cell phone and for five seconds can't, pop, might possibly not be able to receive a text from an interested guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like The world end as you know it. <laughs> right. So, um, if you're, if you've heard this, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our, um, our podcast on Cooked from a few years back, but you're interested in what more Michael Pollan did. I got into Michael Pollan with the omnivores dilemma, like I said before, and that the the subheading is a natural history of four meals. The New York Times bestseller. I don't remember if it was nominated for a Pulitzer or not, but it's it's what pretty much what brought Michael Pollan into the public consciousness for what that's worth. And I would highly recommend it. It's right up there with you know Guns, Germs, and Steel for me, or some of the other books that I, I books I used to read when I was smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a dummy now it doesn't do a whole lot of reading but uh but back in the day when i read books um there was a handful of you know really high level uh stuff for people who you know, who are thinkers guns germs and steel was one of them and that definitely was a Pulitzer prize winner the omnivore's dilemma was the other one i would always recommend um so that by michael pollan's really good he he uh before that was the there was the botany of desire a plant's eye view of the world which i would highly recommend um, I've read In Defense of Food. It's really, really good. Highly recommend that. Um, after that comes Food Rules, then Cooked, which is what the documentary series was based on. And then How to Change Your Mind was the book that inspired this documentary series. He's also got uh, an Audible original called Caffeine, How Coffee and Tea Created the Modern World, for all you Starbucks fans. <laughs> and uh, the most recent one is This Is Your Mind on Plants. If you're interested in his other documentaries, uh, we have the aforementioned Cooked, In Defense of Food, The Botany of Desire, and Food Incorporated, which you've probably seen that one on your Netflix feed. It's the one with the cow and the uh, the barcode on it. Mm -hmm. So um, give it a give it a look-see. Yeah. All right. Uh, with that said, I believe, unless you've got anything else, then we have wrapped our review of How to Change Your Mind. How are you feeling about this, this conversation that we've had? Good. I feel good. I think um, there's a lot more coming in the future, and I'm really looking forward to that, especially um, coming into being a prescriber soon and feeling like I'll have a little bit more um, control in that world. Again, like you said, um, or like we talked about, don't be stupid with, with any kind of mind-altering substance. Doesn't matter what it is. Don't be stupid with it. You've got to be smart with it or you could pay consequences. Um, but I definitely see it as a future for us to treat mental health and medical illnesses alike. And anytime you can get back to natural versus, or e even in conjunction with med Western medicine, I'm not saying that we should do away with Western medicine altogether. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. No, I have this conversation with people all the time about climate change. I think being a strict, you know, <laughs> We should have no climate climate rules, no climate laws is dumb. Right. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Right. But also we should um we should go back to living in caves. That's unrealistic. 
there's no such thing as global warming. You people are man-made global warming. No, I, I can show you evidence of that. There's like actual science out there. Just travel to different places and you'll see it yourself. Yeah. Right. But the, you know, but then the, you know, the other side of that where it's just like, you know, it's all man-made. No, there's not, it's not all or nothing. It's not ones or zeros, people. <laughs> it's a combination of both man-made and natural phenomena. Let's please be adults about this. Right. And so it's the same thing with with uh, medication and substance abuse. Um, I think in all, you know, a ones and zeros approach where you ignore all the you know solutions in the middle mm -hmm. is the absolute wrong way to go. So I think if you've got nothing out of this conversation, you can hear both mental health professionals saying you you need some regulation, but you also need to allow allow some of this stuff to exist out there because you're you're keeping good medicine from sick people, right? Exactly. Out of no good reason, none. Yeah. Yep. And do your research. Everybody, yes. they do your own research, because if you listen to this person or that person and you may trust that person, but mm -hmm. for yourself, look things up for yourself and and do the research. Okay. When this is over, I'm texting you a list of medications I want you to prescribe me. <laughs> you got a year and a half, buddy. Uh, all right. Well, number, then number I'll... Two, conflict of interest. <laughs> I'm happy to uh, refer you to a very amazing, uh, actually, so I do have a psych NP, now mm -hmm. that you up just quickly, um, that is looking into opening a ketamine clinic in the Bradenton, Sarasota area. And he's got uh, some mentors, a husband and wife team that have been doing it mm -hmm. for a while, and they're seeing really, really great results. So okay. um, we're looking at... But I want I want dick pill steroids and Xanax. So hook that up for me. I need I need the toxic male uh, value pack. Can we send that to me? Just in a box. I don't want to talk to anyone. Just, <laughs> they have websites. Kinda... They have websites for that, sir. I am... <laughs> All right. Hated everything I've discussed in this entire episode. What am I going to do with you? That's my job. Um, <laughs> 45 minutes of a serious discussion. Right. 15 minutes of stupidity. Right. The rattle into broadcasting network. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, and now 20 minutes of plugs. So what do you, so you're not, not a normal podcaster. You occasionally just kind of hit me up when you have a wild hair up your ass. Um, yeah. So, but yet you have anything you want to plug? Um, not right now. I think I just really want to do more of this stuff. Look more okay. into nature and all of that. Okay. Uh, um, the future, I think. And then going back to the foods of the earth. I, I, anything on either of those topics is mm -hmm. amazing. Right. Well, you and I can discuss off air what yeah. we're going to do next, if we're going to do anything yeah. next. But I, listen, yeah. I have a guy who plugs the jujitsu studio he trains at. That's more <laughs> of what I was asking you. I was like, do you have anything you'd like to share with the public? Not yet. I mean, okay. or any social media that they can contact you on if you want them to contact you on social media. Uh, sure. I'm not a, a huge, huge social media person. Um, I'm more of a busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on social that media. Sounds... I have I have adult stuff to do. I'm I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> You're not on the TikTok like me. No. Uh, no, I'm not on the TikTok. I'm not on the snappy. I, I do this to my daughter. And she hates it. I'm not on the snappy book or the facey chat. <laughs> Which I am. One, one, I know that's a lie. I Two. Am. <laughs> <laughs> I am on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so I am going to leave that part private, though, because I do actually have potential. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to move this on. Um, tonight. <laughs> 
it's a it's a week late and a dollar short, but we're doing it anyway. Is our Veterans Day show? Uh, it'll go. be myself and the aforementioned Andrew Graham. Uh, we will be reviewing Full Metal Jacket, The Outpost, and Hamburger Hill. Uh, yesterday, last night, myself and Jesse Starcher continued our trek from the corner to the Deuce. Uh, the great works of David Simon. We looked at The Wire season four. And uh, I had to reschedule this to yesterday, Wednesday afternoon from last week because I was being social. So we finally got a chance to do it. Uh, Jason and I looked at Grindhouse, which is Death Proof and Planet Terror. Uh, and then we looked at the fake trailer turned into real movie, Hobo with a Shotgun, starring the late Rudger Hauer. Tuesday, we spent three freaking hours talking about Black Panther. Have you seen this yet? Have you seen Black Panther? The the newest? Okay. Yes. The same. <laughs> Listen. Hello. Old person. <laughs> Busy. I have not. I have not. I really want to see it. I want to take my daughter, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I can take your son? Just your daughter? Why are you, be, why, why are you being sexist? He's, it's not sexist. He's a broody teenager. All he wants to do is be like, uh, I'm depressed. Uh. <laughs> well, give him some mushrooms and drag him to the theater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. DCF wouldn't be banging down my door. <laughs> Uh, they don't know. Um, peace, dude. Please don't hurt me. Peace. <laughs> anyway, we spent three hours talking about it. I think you'll enjoy it. Like most normal people would. You know, like you're not really super committed to comic book, you know, strict constructionism. So <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna have the problems those people had with it. But uh, you normal people will think it's just fine. Okay. Uh, so yeah, three hours spent talking about that, and then um, the, the previous night, myself and David Wright looked at the new Lord of the Rings series on Amazon Prime, uh, Rings of Power. Uh, this past weekend, we re-aired our Jason Bourne shows from years past, the 2016 Jason Bourne review, and then Long Road to Ruin for the Bourne trilogy. This weekend, it's Alan Moore's birthday tomorrow. Yay, happy birthday, Alan Moore, and should we say, uh, fuck Firestorm. Uh, so with that, back when... Uh, we did. De we dedicated an entire month to Alan Moore's uh, adaptations, so we're going to be re-airing our look at the Watchmen, the both the book and the movie, not the show. We already did that. Then we're going to be looking at the Lee of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and then finally on Sunday the twentieth, we're re-airing our show on From Hell. Jesse's dropping a source material that looks at the Garbage Pail Kids comic. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, Alexis Haina and Zachary Strobel will be doing the wonderful seasons of Mickey Mouse. Um, Wednesday, then uh, the day before Thanksgiving, we'll be re-airing our review of Moana, and then in the evening, the only live show I'm doing that week, um, at least, uh, well, I should correct that, <laughs> I was doing that week, Damn You Hollywood, we are going to be looking at The Menu, starring Ralph Fiennes, it'll be myself, Alexis Hanna, and Jason Teasley, and then my son, who uh, demanded, he demanded, Alex, uh, who are you, Adriana, uh, Wags, I'm just going to call you Wags, um, <laughs> He, my son demanded of me that uh, it's our Thanksgiving tradition that we have to do a commentary track. So we looked at a list of Thanksgiving like holiday movies, and we found one. And that movie is Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yes! <laughs> I love Paul Blart. Fantastic. Long so Paul Blart the Mall Cop. Yeah, I have, neither one of us has seen it. We just watched the trailer, and my son looked at me. He's like, that looked like the greatest movie ever. And I'm like, oh, you're yeah. eight years old. Of course you are. Oh, and you have to watch Mall Cop, too. It's just, I mean, the sequel for Mall Cop is just as good as the original Mall Cop. You're not allowed to comment on movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving this on. So, yeah, we're going to be doing a commentary track for Paul Blart Mark, Mall Cop on Thanksgiving. And then uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend, we've got our Everyone Loves a Bad Guy for The Wizard of Oz. 
Anthrax Stomp 442, which was one of our old turkey shows. And then finally, the night Jesse Starcher took over Metal Hammer of Doom, Scar Symmetry, the Singularity Phase 1 Neo-Humanity. So that's all the shows between now and uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I want to thank Adriana Wagner for taking time out of her busy businesswoman who don't need no man schedule to come <laughs> <laughs> to come talk to me about my favorite subject, which is drugs. <laughs> and mine, which is mental health. That's right. I mean, what a combination we make. What a tag team. Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom. So thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. This has been TV Party Tonight. I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave.